Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. I am Zach Falcon of Arfield, 1PG, co-founder of The Perfect Gentleman, and alongside me is... James Marwood. Uh, good to speak to you again, Zach. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How has your week been? It's been splendid. I'm still, again, still loving spring. Spring has sprung. We, we, we shall speak about spring has sprung later. Mm-hmm. It's approaching the end of April, being a proud Englishman. It's St George's Day of the weekend. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm raising the flag of St George for England. So I shall be... Be proud Englishman on, on Saturday. Yes, indeed. I'm really looking forward to St George's. I quite often have have a have a family dinner about that time, and there's always um, a uh, a big martial arts event as well in Coventry at this point. So it's one of my favourite times of the year. Heading into the the May Day bank holidays as we approach, which will be the following weeks. So today we're talking. Uh, we've got some lovely guests today. We've got uh, Rory. We've got Bobby. We've got the second part of our interview with the Cravat Club gentleman. Uh, the lady and gentleman, um, and then we got my uh, from the desk off. So it's a, a, an action-packed, but lots of guests today. Excellent. So let's crack on without further ado. Um, and our first uh, is our section today is the mannered gentleman, mm-hmm. and we hear from our fantastic guest Rory. Um, Rory is part of the Perfect Gentleman team. He is an expert in dining. He uh, used to be head of private dining at the Manoir Quatre Saisons, a, a Michelin-starred restaurant here in the UK, um, and he is also uh, a member of the Worshipful Company of Inn Holders, which I always like. Oh, splendid. And he's going to be giving us a, a guide to the basics of table manners today. Are you, uh, are you sitting correctly at the dinner table today, James? I, I hope so, um, but I'm sure Rory will, will, will tell me if not, and I'll be able to follow his advice and make sure that it's all, all correct. Uh, Rory, take it away. Hello and welcome from The Perfect Gentleman. My name is Rory Bolger. I'm the second gentleman and fine dining and etiquette expert here. And today I'm going to be talking to you about table manners. Table manners have evolved in order to distance ourselves from the very caveman experience of butchering an animal and eating it raw. And through table manners and the cooking process, we try and put some distance and some ritual into how we eat. Table manners differ depending on the situation that you're in. Having a barbecue with your friends, for example, requires a very different set of behaviours to going to dinner with your boss and his girlfriend or wife. And in order to make everybody feel comfortable, which should always be the aim of, of any mannered gentleman, is choosing the right set of behaviours for any situation. In terms of what you find on the table, the knife was the first piece of cutlery uh, which has evolved from about 500,000 years BCE uh, from general cutting implements, uh, normally flint, the spoon from shells, seashells in particular, folded leaves, tree bark, things like that, uh, round about the same kind of time. And the fork, a couple of hundred thousand years later, as a cooking skewer. The tablecloth was originally there so that you could wipe your hands on something that wasn't your clothing, uh, but parts of it soon became the napkins that evolved to be on your lap. When behaving at a table, as I said, you want to make everybody as comfortable as possible. So the things that your parents taught you when you were younger generally still hold to be true. Uh, No waving your cutlery around, 
try and keep your mouth closed whilst you're eating. Uh, don't talk with your mouth full. Uh, if you do have to open your mouth, if you're caught with a yawn or a sneeze, always make sure that you cover your mouth so that people don't see half-chewed food inside your mouth. When using your cutlery, make sure that you only put a fork or a spoon inside your mouth. Uh, a knife should never go in your mouth, but should always be replaced on the side of the plate. Your bread has its own knife. Um, the bread knife is used solely for spreading butter onto the bread. If a separate knife is provided for butter, then make sure that you're using that knife only to transport the butter from the butter dish onto your side plate and not to spread on your individual bread. You should tear your bread in half rather than cut it and take enough butter so that you're able to spread all over your bread without obviously leaving none for somebody else. Only spread enough butter for the bit that you're going to eat at that particular time um, and you can always spread more when you need more bread. That's it for today, but if you have any other questions or if you're looking forward to the second instalment of Table Manners, uh, then you can find that either on the uh, Perfect Gentleman website, www.theperfectgentleman.tv, uh, or on our uh, Perfect Gentleman magazine, or alternatively, uh, there's lots of useful information in our first book available on Amazon, Becoming the Perfect Gentleman. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for that, Rory. Really good stuff. And um, I think I maybe need to work on my table manners a little. But you know, <laughs> I'm glad we've got Rory there to keep us to keep us right. Our partners, Hawes and Curtis, are a British brand with more than a hundred years of heritage in tailoring. In 1913, Ralph Hawes and George Frederick Curtis opened their first store in London's Piccadilly Arcade at the corner of German Street, renowned for its resident shirt makers. From the beginning, Hawes and Curtis attracted famous clientele, including the Duke of Windsor, Cary Grant and Fred Astaire, dapper gentlemen all. As a result of Hawes and Curtis's commitment to impeccable service and product excellence, the brand has been awarded four royal warrants. Today, Hawes and Curtis offers extensive menswear and women's wear collections, providing customers with complete looks for a whole variety of occasions. Please head over to their website, www.hawesandcurtis.co.uk. What are we on to next, then, Zach? Well, it's a, a, a new guest. We have Bobby. Uh, Bobby is a finance expert, and uh, it's our financial gentleman section. So once every uh, uh, three months, we, we rotate through a number of different content elements, uh, and Bobby is our financial expert. Uh, his details and his bio are on our website and in the show notes. Um, so he's going to take a little bit of time and tell us why we should take care of our finances. Bobby, take it away. Bobby here from The Perfect Gentleman, here to talk to you about The Perfect Financial Gentleman. Uh, today's topic um, will cover how to sort of um, you know, organise and structure your finances, but before I do so, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about who I am and why I do. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've been a financial planner in the UK, in the United Kingdom, uh, working on clients' uh, you know, financial strategies and making sure that they've got the correct structures in place to make sure that if anything happens to them, um, their families and loved ones are taken care for. So to tell you a very short story, um, one of my clients, uh, Richard, um, sadly Richard was uh, diagnosed very recently um, with a terminal illness and what had happened to Richard 
you know, it was horrible. But, you know, Richard's a very good client of mine. You know, last year he sent me a bottle of whiskey for Christmas. You know, we're, we're very close. But the reason why I'm telling you this story is because when he was diagnosed with this terrible illness, um, his employer came to the conclusion that they could no longer work together and they had to part company. Um, and the benefits that Richard had in place, um, such as life cover, death in service, critical illness, income protection, those benefits would cease. Um, and the good thing is what we put in place was some private policies to make sure that if that did happen, Richard could continue uh, having these policies in place. And in the event that he, you know, he passed away or he was diagnosed with a critical illness and he'd left the company, he still get paid out and all his debts would be paid off. So the good news is those debts have been paid off now. Richard's back to good health and back to work. So that's just a, an idea or a, or a story you know, I'd like to, I've shared with you, but, but there's lots of different stories uh, like this. Now I've got another story I'd like to tell you. I've got you know, a very uh, well-off young client, single, no, no kids. Um, you know, we, we get on very well, we've been looking after each other, for, I've been looking after him for the last five years. He's got a really high income, but the problem with, with high incomes, and this is the only problem that you have, is high taxes. Um, and what we do with this client, his name's Rob, um, we get together, we look at his income, what he actually needs, and if, if there's any way for us to reduce his tax liability by you know, sheltering money away into his retirement account, or his ICEs, or his investment accounts. And by doing this, we lock those monies away, we avoid paying taxation right now, um, and this is perfectly allowable by, by UK standards. Why is this valuable? Because naturally, you know, a lot of people that we come across don't have good financial advice, they're not taken care of uh, financially, they try and do it themselves and what happens is they make regular errors such as they don't keep up to date with the budget uh, when the Chancellor comes out and makes you know, changes to legislation, they don't keep up with the uh, current affairs and they don't keep up with investment affairs. What I do as an individual is keep up to date with all those three things uh, and by doing these three things you know, continuously uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, I can look after individuals on a specific basis where I can protect and enhance their wealth. So I'd like to talk about a specific sub subject today, and that specific subject is taking care of your finances and why it's important. So to give you a background, you know, you know naturally, you know, when, we, when we're in education, when we're you know, going through school, right the way from nursery school or kindergarten, right the way through high school, we're given some level of education and that level of education is to you know engage what kind of things we like to do and what things what kind of things we'd like to ideally do in our work environment so depending on what kind of individual you are you may not be a financially uh, orientated individual which is fine you might be an artist or you might be a scientist or you might be a perfect gentleman whatever that might look like uh, but the point is um, you might not have the skills right now to prepare yourself when you're in your working environment to make sure that you've got the adequate resources in place or the, the processes to make sure that your resources, i.e. your income, are incomes are directed to your outgoings proportionally and that you're saving enough to meet your future liabilities. Now why is this important? Uh, the reason why it's really important for me is quite simple really. Um, if one looks at how one is able to acquire wealth, it's quite simple. Um, you would need to, to, to look at three things. One, in, in your past history, since you've been you know, working and you know, paying for bills and you know, paying for you know, liabilities such as direct debits or for your phone bill or for your council tax or for your rent, um, that gives you an indication of how you've been able to you know, manage your current affairs or your, you know, manage your payments. 
Um, this is sort of built into what we call your credit report. Um, your credit report can be found online using various you know, intermediaries. And it's quite important to have a really good score. If you have a, a really good score, it allows you to borrow. And borrowing, for me, is very important. You know, Not because you should be in debt, but because you're able to uh, borrow capital in a way where you can invest this capital, for example, into your first primary property residence. You know, so if you own your own home, after a number of years, you can then uh, build up that property. But as you know, property prices increase over time. As they're increasing over time, you become more wealthier. And as property prices increase over time, your debt should decrease over time. And eventually, you own that property. Now, somewhere in the middle of that journey, what you can do, and this is a great thing about you know living in the West, you can actually leverage against the assets that you have. So, for, and for example, in this example, what you can do is take money out of your property. Now, when you take out money from your property, you obviously increase your leverage, your, you know, your gearing, um, but when you take out that capital, you can then reinvest that capital. Now, where you reinvest it, it's up to you. Ideally, you should perhaps come to me and we can go through all the options and see if it actually makes sense. Because I've got come to realize a lot of good ideas have a lot of risk involved. But if you come to me and we go through the, the idea that this is a good idea and it makes sense, then great. And potentially, the returns that you can make uh, from this leverage deal might exceed the, the level of repayments that you're looking to repay, and hence, it would enhance your wealth. Um, and effectively, that's what, you know, that's what we do here. We're looking to enhance and hopefully make you a wealthy individual. So once you get to that stage where you've you know, worked a long, long life, um, you're in that position where you've saved enough assets to be able to say, you know what, I can comfortably retire. I can retire hopefully at an age where you're 55 years old, you're still young, you're still able to do all the things that you like. That might be travelling, that might be you know, sports, that might be you know, going to fashion events. Whatever those events might look like, you have that time to utilise later on in life and you have the resources to direct because you worked hard and you saved and you made the right decisions at the right time to make sure that happens. So I'd like to thank you for your time today, um, for you know, obviously listening to the podcast. Uh, my name is Bobby Wien. Um, if you'd like to contact me at The Perfect Gentleman, please drop an email for any more financial sound advice and uh, I'll endeavour to get in touch with you as soon as possible. Uh, Bobby out. Thank you. Okay, thanks for that, Bobby. Really interesting. Um, learning about about finances and taking care of them is is important, and it's often a hard learned lesson. So if you can learn from someone like Bobby, who's an expert, that's a, a good idea, I think. Yes. No, I'm 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 looking at my wallet now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Moths and moths and dust falling out of my. Our wonderful partners, the English Cream Tea Company, deliver a fresh take on tradition. The English Cream Tea Company offers quintessentially British gifts. Choose from the freshly prepared afternoon tea hampers to be hand-delivered right to your door throughout mainland UK, or select from a range of gift vouchers. There are also postable gifts of award-winning chocolate brownies, tea, delicious shortbread, and even cheese please tucked tins with delicious cheese scones and chutney. After all, the perfect gentleman needs to be able to send the perfect gift, whether it's to say thank you, congratulations, or season's greetings. And the English Cream Tea Company supplies that, complete with your own personalised gift message. Who do you know who would not love the gift of afternoon tea? So go to theenglishcreamtea.com for a charming touch of British indulgence. 
So where are we on to next, Zach? What's the next, what's the next section of, of this? Oh, well, today we're flying through them today. Um, the next section is the second part of our interview with the lovely Cravat Club. Oh, excellent. With, with, with Julian and Cole. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're talking more cravats as we both have a fascination with the, uh, the cravat, mm-hmm. the ascot. So we'll talk a bit more with them about uh, how they were inspired to do it and um, also how uh, you know, they came about with a company and how they come up with the ideas for the different uh, patterns and what's next for the Cravat Club. And we also round off with the uh, 10 gentlemanly questions that we ask every guest. So you start with cravats and, and went into pocket squares. Yes, yeah. Mm. So I just thought Natural I'd branch extension. out a little bit more because so many people requested, oh, do you have pocket squares as well? Do you do matching pocket squares? And obviously we don't try and encourage matching we try and encourage like to mix and match and to like complement so the cravat with something different so for obviously what Julian's wearing his ride and cravat with a Chihiro pocket square um, just to complement the colours so um, and now we're doing scarves as well silk scarves like formal oh, yeah so um, oh, yeah great. so we're so branching out a little bit but not going not too far not yeah too far. we don't want to go mm. too crazy I think it's good to well I was a bit sceptical you know, at first actually about the pocket squares uh, you were because I thought the cravat you? club and we should be cravats, just cravats so, yeah um, but no it's, it's a nice sort of fit the two things and, and now think, the scarves yeah we get lots of customers yeah. buying you know a cravat mm. and then a pocket square with it to go with mm. it so well, I think it's a good. Um, I mean, yeah. that we had this whole discussion on the podcast about um, the James about matching ties with pocket squares and, mm. and uh, that's pocket squares because mm. the American convention is to match. Oh, exactly. Yes, yeah, so the American yeah, okay. convention is to match your pocket square yeah. with your tie mm. or your cravat, and the European one is to contrast. Yes. Yeah. Compliment. Compliment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of one of those things. So that's why you get loads of Americans going, yeah. please give us your, <laughs> please give us the matching pockets. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and it's an interesting thing. I, I, I do both. Yes. And it kind of depends on my, my mm. day. But I, I generally, but I wear everything totally correct anyway. So my socks tend to match. Maybe it's your personality. <laughs> it's my personality. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's fine. For, I think, especially for like weddings, for example, we get a lot of people buying cravats for weddings and obviously they want a matching pocket square to go with that. So I think that looks mm. very nice, isn't mm. it? So obviously there's a time and a place maybe for matching pocket squares and cravats. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm just going to get up by... Uh, my ten gentlemanly questions, which we ask oh. every interview, interviewee. Okay. So um, you'll have to answer them. Well, you know, the ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, okay. It's unisex. We're okay. very good at this. Oh, right. oh. So, um, so you can answer individually. Okay. So, what makes or embodies a gentleman for you? You can answer that. You can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, personality. The way it's not necessarily exactly the way someone looks. I think it's just. Um, the personality of a, a gentleman, obviously, you, the way someone treats others, I think. Have you, Julie? I think it is that respect for other people. Yeah. To summarise it, really. Obviously, you can look good, but I think you can still not be a gentleman, even if you look good. Does that make sense? I think yeah. you need to have the personality mm. of, you know, like mm. chivalry and being kind to others and thinking mm. of the others first putting mm. others before you I think that's mm. kind of being like a gentleman isn't it mm. and following off from the chivalry question so the next question is I'll ask you first <laughs> okay. so what's the most romantic thing you've ever experienced or has ever been done for you um, I should probably say something that my husband did for me obviously because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I might get in trouble um, oh gosh uh, 
oh well that's really difficult there's been quite a few nice romantic things that have happened but not necessarily with my husband but including him as well um when we first started dating very early stages um he kind of surprised me to take me to like a magic bar in japan okay. and it was actually like i wasn't like obsessed with magic but i just thought actually it's quite nice it's very different it's not the same like take someone to a cinema or take someone to like a restaurant it was it had a theme to it so i thought that was quite romantic because it's different it's like using your oh, um cool. yes, yeah no, like imagination <laughs> it's difficult though there's quite a few different ones I'd have to pull out my memories <laughs> <laughs> and what's the most romantic thing you've ever done I've ever done I mean I suppose propose, proposing to my my then wife but of course we're no longer together so it makes it a tricky uh, thing to <laughs> well, talk about it was romantic about. at the time it was romantic at the time yes yes it's mm-hmm. and uh it was in a very unlikely place, actually. It was probably a do-it-yourself store or something like that. <laughs> I think the most romantic things tend to be, like, if the, the guy has thought about something very different or very unique, rather than doing something that's very bog-standard and very much like the thing that you see all the time on, I don't know, television or something that everybody else has done. Like, you know, things like go to this particular restaurant or go to this particular you know or cinema or something like that if they do something that they've used their imagination and they've, they've used their own kind of ideas then that, I think that's romantic so good excellent <laughs> um, if you could bring both of you in business so if you could bring one gentlemanly trait into business what would it be hello um well from my point of view it's honesty I think really is oh, uh, yeah. um my business I restore paintings and no one's ever complained about the work I've done, but somebody did have a little bit of a gripe, um, and it was unjustified. So I said, well, don't pay me. Just walk away, you know. I've done a good job, but, you know, mm. there's the door sort of thing. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I just... I'm very confident in what I do, and I know I'm doing a, a really good job all the time. So it... I'm quite taken back if someone actually, on yeah, this one occasion, says, "Well, I'm not too happy about this," yeah. and it was for nothing I it was to do with the frame rather than the picture I restored. So uh, I said, "Oh, you know, don't pay for it." Very noble. Um, I think maybe like dedication, like for the business, so like not giving up on it, and uh, yeah, I don't know to keep the motivation up. I don't know if that's necessarily gentlemanly but I just think um, a de- dedication That's I suppose no, no, yeah. dedication is one of our, our watchwords oh, ok well there you go yeah, there you go <laughs> so Julian I'll ask you this one first what element of grooming is important to you grooming <laughs> brushing your teeth <laughs> <laughs> well recently I suppose um, I was bought some really nice um, aftershaves I, I like wearing that good excellent uh, it's a bit subtle so I haven't got too much hair to be groomed. There's not much I can do with it, really. <laughs> so I, I wet shave on on special occasions like today. Excellent. Thank you very much. You are honoured because mostly I use an electric razor. So. <laughs> and, and Jenny, so what's the most element of grooming that's most important for you or a gentleman? Um, be, be clean. I think it's like good to smell nice and be clean. Like a man who showers regularly and 
doesn't have a funny smell. That's the main. I think that's the most important. So my husband smells very good all the time. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, name an iconic gentleman. Oh. Who would you consider as an exemplar of gentleman? Could be someone historical. Could be someone modern. Sean Connery. Okay. I mean, if he's probably not someone other, but. Mr. Steed in the Avengers is your, I think, fits in with what you're after. Yeah, well, no, I, it's, I, it's just come to mind. But that's yeah. great. No, I like that. That's that's mm. good. He, I, I I like him. He's a Patrick McNee was a was a gentleman in real life, and, um, mm. and Mr. Steed was an interesting gentleman. Well. <laughs> um, so I, I know the answer to this question, but I will ask it anyway. So, what's the most important item in your wardrobe? <laughs> Cravat. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the most, well, I know the answer, what's the most important item you'd like to see on a gentleman? A cravat. <laughs> that was the easiest question there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, why should there be more gentlemen in the world? Let's make it a happier place. I think it would just there'll be more peace in the world. I think people will be happier, especially in the UK. It'd be nice to see more like happier people in the UK. I think if men dress nicer, I think that would make a massive effect on... Mm. everything I think it's a positive thing isn't it yeah it's uh, good to be positive I think in America yeah. there's a lot of positive people which is great I think in England we like to be a bit more cynical um, and mm. we, obviously that reflects in our humour which is great because I love like English comedy but also I think it would be nice if we are a little bit more positive I think and mm. as a general nation yeah. and I think if men dressed better I think that would probably make people more positive make women mm. more positive anyway yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just makes makes for a happier world, doesn't it? Really? Mm. So, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so, what key skill should every young gentleman be taught? Any tips? Any tips that I've From passed your experience? down? From your experience? Gosh, there's so many, really. But I think just good manners is a good starting mm. point, and build build on from that, really. Yes. Yeah, I think manners, like the way you talk to someone, the words you use, the way you treat that person, um, I think that's really yeah. important. And although it's probably not, it's probably slightly different from the from the question, but I think if a man's kind of confident but quietly confident is the most attractive. Like someone who's arrogant or like overly confident is not attractive, but someone who's quietly confident or self-assured is very attractive. That's a tip. Yeah. <laughs> what, and I, I think I might know the answer to this one as well. What should a gentleman never be without? Cravat. <laughs> Cravat. Obviously. I, I was, I was thinking of, I was trying to think of something, you know. Different. Not cra cra cravat and pockets. <laughs> a gentlewoman or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, no well. Not necessarily, no. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> no, I was trying to think of something other than cravat to say. Um, <laughs> Um, so finish this sentence for me. A gentleman should always. A gentleman should always. Apart from wearing a cravat. Apart from not always. No, no, no. I wouldn't impose that on him. But um... ah, sorry. Go on. <laughs> Just the gentleman should always think of others before themselves. I like that one very much. Yeah. Yes. Um, for Jenny's point of view, should always be 
clean and <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> yeah, but hygiene is important. Hygiene, yes, yeah, good hygiene. That's just, um, a very fundamental thing, but it's, I'm sure it can be like forgotten or, you know, men can mm. probably, you know, mislay it a little bit. <laughs> Not actually, you know. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for t- taking part of Gentleman Talks with us. And uh, um, everyone should look out for the next Cravat Club collection. Yes, you, yeah. You launched them regularly. Well, we've just had our spring-summer um, photo shoot on Friday. So that, like, that showcases our spring-summer collection. And is it live so, on the website yes, now? Yes, yes. Yeah, you can see all the new pictures and our new model, who is particularly attractive as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Showcasing it very well. So. Excellent. Yes, <laughs> thank you good. very much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. So thank you to the lovely Cravat Club. Um, they're fantastic people. Uh, they are one of our sponsors, um, mm-hmm. which is wonderful, and uh, we're delighted to have them on board. Um, but it's a really fascinating tale, and just great people, and we like great people here at The Perfect Gentleman. Indeed we do. You can find more about them uh, and the interview. There's a video on the YouTube channel and uh, more more stuff in the magazine. Before I forget, you don't want to get told off again, how do you contact us? It's um, through theperfectgentleman.tv is the website where you can find links to this podcast, to the to, to the videos, the magazine. You've got enquiries, enquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv as the uh, the email address. And you can get us at the P Gentlemen on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Any of those methods um, you want to get in touch, would really appreciate it. Maybe we should start a, a, an agony uncle column. I think that'd be good. Maybe we'll do that next month. We could do that, yes. And send us a question or two, or, you know, your dilemmas. It could be any of the subjects we cover at The Perfect Gentleman. Anything you like, we will give you a, an answer to your dilemma. That'll be a, I, I like that. We'll do that. That'd be great. Elliot Rhodes is the foremost belt brand that seeks to make people see belts in a whole new way and to show them that a great belt is imperative to dressing with style and individuality. With four stores, three in London and one in Japan, Elliott Rhodes belts are bespoke and innovative. They create beautiful luxury leather belts and buckles in a wide variety of colours and textures and styles. They suit all tastes. Check them out at elliotrhodes.com. As we've talked a little bit about spring, and from my desk of uh, this month, uh, I'm going to talk about spring has sprung, and why spring is that innovative new moment in life uh, and start of the year. I always think that the new year should really start in spring. Um, January the 1st is always a bit cold and depressing and, and, you know, we've just eaten our fill at Christmas and spent lots of money and got lots of presents and, and January the 1st comes around and are we really inspired and in, enthralled to be launching into a new year um, and a new life and changing all our lives after this? I don't know about that. Maybe I think spring should be the point in time when we should change. Spring is that point in time when the weather changes, life changes and we all have this feeling of joie de vivre and the hope is there the, and we start to feel that the, the, the sun is beating down on us, occasionally in London, um, and we get that feeling of, of, of newness and, and sprite. So I think that 
spring should possibly be the start of the, the inspirational year when she should change and start to do things differently. And we at The Perfect Gentleman think that there's never an opportunity not to start. So start being a gentleman. You know, get that new clothing out. Get that uh, exercise routine going because it's warmer. You can go out and run and exercise and play sport. You can go out and do these things because it's there. And everyone feels a little bit happier. So people are there to to talk to, your relationships start. Um, All sorts of things happen in spring. So maybe spring should be the sprung part of the new year. What do you think, James? I think that's a great idea, Zach. You know, I mean, I've often had problems with the whole idea of things like New Year's resolutions. Being tired, hungover, with a house full of food left from Christmas and New Year is not the best time to start with resolutions. But this time of year, when the sun's shining, you're starting to, to venture outside a bit more, the weather's looking up, you're starting to see people be a bit more social. This is a great time to do it. So if you are looking to you know, make, it, make a resolution, change how your life is, I think this is the time of year to start. Yeah, and everyone will support you, I think. You know, yeah. yes. you know, and it's it's that thing with New Year where everyone's like, oh, everyone must do it, everyone's there, and all the, the uh, gyms start being full, da-da-da-da-da. But I think you know, now is that great time where everyone goes, oh, actually, go for it. Yeah, you go out and do this. You know, run the marathon, go do that adventure, you know, because people are feeling that happiness. Yes, I think that's 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 a, that's a top idea, Zach. Yeah, I think the spring is the new, new year. I think you're right. And... Especially when it comes to, to January and the gym is full of people or when you're, you've just had big New Year's dinner and big boozy nights and things like that and then you're going to start eating muesli for breakfast the next day. It's not going to work. But now, this time of year, yeah, this is the time to go for it. Yeah, and then once you get into the habit in spring and then into summer, by the time it comes round to fall and August and winter, you know, you're used to it. You're not having to sort of battle the elements as much as anything else. Spot on. Spring is the time for renewal. Spring is definitely the time for renewal. So, uh, you know, start renewing your gentlemanliness this spring as well. Yes. Well, we've had a, an action-packed episode this time, haven't we, James? We have. There's been a lot on there. Yeah. Well, a little less of us, though. Maybe. I'll well, that might be why it was better. But yes. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Well, you'll, they'll let us know out there. Indeed. In podcast land. Wonderful speaking to you, James. As always. Um, enjoy your uh, St George's Day, and I, uh, um, I shall uh, see you next week. Take care, my friend. Goodbye. I was going to ask you actually about about um, about cravats and spring. Do you do you do well about the same for pocket squares or for this? I mean, obviously you'll 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 have things like you know you'll, you'll probably start putting your heavyweight suits and jumpers and things away. But do you have do you have spring pocket squares and and, and cravats and the like? I, I tend not to, I tend to wear less cravats mm-hmm. in the spring. Okay, in summer. Um, uh, um, I do have lighter ones which I do tend yep. to wear. In- the spring and summer um i tend not to wear them as much because it just gets a little too too hot mm-hmm. um it depends it depends on the well luckily in, in england it gets that hot yeah. <laughs> you know the, the the five or six days that it gets hot enough not to worry about them you know yeah. it, the, the outfits change that much that i'm not wearing a cravat mm-hmm. anyway um you know get the lighter weight suits out um, um as some of you may know I have a, a, a seersucker suit, which mm-hmm. I, I dash out during the summers. Um, so, yes, I tend to get more cottony and, and pocket squares and more lighter colours. And mm. I tend to change my colour palette a lot more for, for the um, 
the spring as well. So what I tend to wear tends to be different colors. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, and I don't. I, I, the cravats tend to lessen a little bit, mm-hmm. um, just because it's it, it. That is quite warm if it gets very hot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. You know, this time of year is when I start breaking out a lot of the 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 yellows and. Um, lime greens and things like that some of those brighter colors um yeah because i've been in in browns and darker colors over winter i do wear cravats probably i I think a bit more in spring i don't like you i don't wear them in summer because it's it's too hot but i don't know it's just something about the bright colors that i like for for springtime yeah I, i do wear them i just i just choose them differently and i tend to wear a lot more i tend to be a lot more uh smart casual during mm-hmm. spring and summer so i tend to wear you know i tend to wear jackets and blazers and and, and trousers a, a lot more mm-hmm. during spring summer months than i do during the winter months unless i'm actually standing on stage mm-hmm. yeah no i tend to, to to change my my wardrobe and palette definitely and it's interesting you know i like the bright colors for cravats yeah i will talk about i'm probably sure we'll talk about it for one of the summer episodes mm. it's the summer dressing that that always um throws most people for me. Especially in, in London, if you're commuting, it can be punishingly hot underground and yet quite cool above ground. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a summer. We'll do a summer style special come, come June or July. I'm sure we will and talk about all that. Good stuff. Well, uh, I think that's, that's, that's probably about it for, for this one, Zach. Yeah, no, it's off. I'm, I'm, I'm now off to get my roast beef ready. <gasps> oh, so good. <laughs> we, we went to the market yesterday and bought all the uh, the makings for Brazilian style ribs and cassava. So that'll be what we're having for dinner. Um, and oh. it's, it's not my night to cook. And uh, my other half doesn't cook often, but when she does, it's fantastic. So we're going to be having Brazilian Brazilian style ribs. Yeah, you do the Brazilian, I'll do the British. Good there stuff. we go. Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Enjoy your roast beef, my friend. I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you next week. Take care, my friend. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited, and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.